This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where we have achieved the dubious distinction of setting a brand new record for COVID-19 cases, more than 10,000 new ones in a single day. Vice President Mike Pence and Governor Ron DeSantis meet in Tampa to talk about the surge in coronavirus. We're with you. We're going to make sure that your governor and the state of Florida have what you need when you need it to meet this moment of rising cases across the state. If everyone is, um, you know, enjoying life but doing it responsibly, you know, we're going to be fine. We'll get that positivity rate down. But Democrats claim they are both to blame for a failed response nationwide and here in Florida. Donald Trump and Mike Pence are cheerleaders, and there's nothing to cheer about when our friends and neighbors are getting infected and dying. For many of us, it feels like we're back at square one. The leaders of the United States and Florida have decided to place economic interests over life and death. Speaking of death, Florida reported 67 more COVID-19 fatalities Thursday. If you believe the official numbers, the death toll in the Sunshine State has now reached 3,718. Three state lawmakers who are leaving the legislature this year are hoping to remain in Tallahassee by being appointed to the Public Service Commission. As the new trade deal between the U.S., Mexico, and Canada begins, Florida's Agriculture Commissioner says Florida growers are getting the shaft. On Sunrise In Depth, you'll hear from Nikki Freed, Congresswoman Stephanie Murphy, and blueberry grower Bud Childs. We'll also check out your calendar of political events and check in with a Florida man, a veteran cop who's been relieved of duty for punching a woman in the face at Miami International Airport. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Friday, July 3rd. Florida set another record for new coronavirus cases Thursday with 10,109. But Governor Ron DeSantis says don't blame him. When asked point blank if he accepts any personal responsibility for the ongoing spike in COVID cases, DeSantis responded by talking about fatalities, not new cases. Well, do you give credit for Florida for having much lower fatalities per 100,000 than all the states you just praised? I mean, we have fewer fatalities than some of these states have just in nursing homes, and we're more populated than all those. So we've worked very hard to protect the most vulnerable. We've done more uh, to protect nursing homes and senior citizens in any state in the country. And, um, and, and I think that the, the numbers bear that out. The governor was joined at this press conference by Vice President Mike Pence, who at times appeared to be more concerned about the Florida spike than the governor. We're with you. We're going to make sure uh, that your governor uh, and the state of Florida have what you need when you need it uh, to meet this moment of rising cases across the state. We really are here to... Uh, 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 to assure the people of Florida uh, that as we uh, as we see the rising cases, not only in this state, but across the Sun Belt, that, uh, that we're going to do whatever it takes to make sure that our extraordinary health care workers have the resources and the support and supplies. But I also want to say, Governor, that, uh, that we fully support uh, your prudent steps in working to slow the spread and the rising cases that are impacting Florida today. It's not an either-or choice. If all of us will put into practice the, the guidance from state and local officials, which is wash your hands, practice good hygiene, wear a mask uh, when it's indicated by local officials, or wear a mask when you can't social distance, uh, we know that we can do what Florida did for those many months and what other impacted areas around the country did. We can slow the spread. And we can flatten the curve. Uh, but it'll take all of us to do it. Uh, and I just want to assure you, Governor, 
uh, that we're going to be working with you to make sure that Florida has all the resources. Um, the economic comeback that's underway is a, is a demonstration that we don't have to choose between opening up America and uh, the health of our people. We can do both, and that's the challenge uh, that we face today across the Sun Belt. And, and we just want to encourage with great respect all Floridians to put these principles into practice and know that we're going to stay with you every step of the way. During the Memorial Day holiday, Florida beaches were packed and you didn't see many masks, which may be one reason why we have community spread of COVID-19 today. But Governor DeSantis says things will be different over the 4th of July holiday. The good news with this being in the news more now is I do think people are going to be more conscious of it when they're going out um, and, and interacting uh, during 4th of July in the way they may not have been for Memorial Day. Um, and so if everyone is, um, you know, enjoying life but doing it responsibly, you know, we're going to be fine. We'll get that positivity rate down. And despite the surge of new cases, Vice President Pence says the administration is not having second thoughts about holding the Republican National Convention in Jacksonville next month. Let me say, the, uh, we're excited about coming to Jacksonville. Uh, I was in a meeting not long ago when I heard about some very sophisticated plans uh, to uh, make sure it's a safe and healthy environment. You know, no one wants to... No one wants to see these numbers where they are, or no one wants to see them go up. Um, we're going to make sure that the people of Florida can rest easy, healthcare workers can rest easy, and they know they can have it. We're going to continue to distribute uh, therapeutics um, uh, and and do our part. But uh, for for each and every one of us, it's important we remember we're we're all in this together, and the way that we slowed the spread and flattened the curve in other parts of the country was by, by people taking ownership of their own behavior, by protecting the most vulnerable among them, and by practicing those common sense, personal hygiene, social distancing methods that we first outlined in 45 days to slow the spread. Uh, and we're very confident that if people will heed the guidance of state and local officials, if we'll take personal responsibility to, to see to our own uh, social distancing and protect the vulnerable among us, that. Uh, uh, we'll do what other parts of the country have done. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll flatten the curve. We'll slow the spread. We'll save lives along the way, and uh, we'll make it possible for great events to happen uh, here in Florida, not just the RNC, but make it possible for, uh, RNC, for uh, Florida to once again be that great destination uh, for so many Americans who love to come and enjoy the Sunshine State and all the great attractions and all the great beaches here. While Pence and DeSantis were doing their best to put a happy face on the situation, the chair of the Florida Democratic Party accused them of failing the rest of us. Terry Rizzo says Donald Trump's response was driven by politics, not public health. Trump's chaotic and delayed management at the onset of this crisis made the U.S. the epicenter of the global pandemic. Trump is continuing to make this crisis worse by ignoring health experts and prioritizing his own re-election. As we saw, Donald Trump spent most of May and nearly all of June going on what amounted to be a victory tour, falsely proclaiming that they succeeded in containing this uh, outbreak and pushing states like Florida uh, to reopen before we were ready. That approach has certainly backfired in terms of containing the coronavirus pandemic. We're witnessing that in real time right now. It will also backfire at the ballot box because voters are feeling personal devastating consequence of having a commander-in-chief that crumbles under pressure. Donald Trump expects his empty promises to buoy him to re-election. 
after four years of witnessing his cruelty and his incompetence every day, he has given Floridians no reason to trust him with the second term. Mike Pence can make as many aspirational statements as he'd like. That won't do one iota to change the situation on the ground and cover for Donald Trump's damage. Congresswoman Donna Shalala of Miami-Dade says the president's failures have been amplified in Florida because the governor is following the lead of the White House. We needed at the beginning to hit this virus with a hammer, to starve it all the way down uh, with enough testing and enough contact tracing now, we'd have to hit it again. And uh, the governor has been meek. He's been following the lead of the White House. He's been consulting with the president and the president is literally endangering the health of every Floridian. We are at risk. This is a life or death situation and it is not for meek leadership at this point in our history. Uh, The governor, I don't know why he ran for governor if he didn't want to make hard decisions. That's what we expect from our leaders. Um, Donald Trump and Mike Pence are cheerleaders, and there's nothing to cheer about when our friends and neighbors are getting infected and dying. Um, We need to go back to the fundamentals of public health and to starve this virus so that we can do serious contact tracing. We need to tell the people in Florida the truth. And that is, we're nowhere near where we need to be. And if they're real patriots, they will wear masks, they will stay at home if they can, and they will practice good public health practices and they will get tested. Um, And governor, give us the tests, get us the tests, get us the tests strategically so we can save lives. Florida already shut down once in hopes of containing the virus, but State Senator Jose Javier Rodriguez of Miami-Dade says it was wasted because Florida reopened too soon and may have to start all over again. We are eager to reopen as soon as it is safe to do so. And unfortunately, the huge sacrifice that all parts of our community have made uh, in business, families, to uh, implement social distancing, to change our behavior, um, all of those sacrifices were made so that our leaders could put in place practices that would allow us to eventually reopen safely. And that time was squandered. Uh, for many of us, it feels like we're back at square one uh, because we, uh, as a state of Florida, just like at the federal level, there was not leadership putting in place testing and tracing. Uh, There was not leadership putting in rules and guidance that were appropriate to what was happening. One of the reasons why we are in this position is because the behaviors of DeSantis and Trump are the same. There's a very good reason for that is that DeSantis looks to Trump for his guidance. We know this. Uh, He defers to Trump on what he should do and how he should act. And he's been following that playbook. Number one, uh, managing his image more than managing a public health crisis. Um, you know, the, the, he's, 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 Governor DeSantis still will not own the fact that there are soaring case numbers. And number two, he looks for other people to blame, whether it's wor- uh, workers, specifically Hispanic workers, and we're still waiting for an apology on that comment, um, whether it's young people. And again, he tries to make it seem like Uh, young adults and young people 
are out there partying and then that's the cause. Well, young adults also work, right? And if you're reopening without safety precautions, you're inviting uh, the, the kind of spikes that we're seeing and, and that uh, are beginning to uh, get at critical levels in our public health systems. Dr. Bernard Ashley is a cardiologist and an expert in infectious diseases. He says Florida's overall response has been a failure. People are afraid to come to Florida. Our inability to control the virus is causing ongoing harm to our economy. The population and our businesses need clear guidance and support in order to adequately control this virus. But as a physician, I'm most concerned about the public health implications. Many Floridians are scared for their lives. It is true that the vast majority of people that get the virus that causes COVID-19 don't get critically ill or die. However, the majority of my patients and hundreds of thousands of Floridians who are of Medicare age are considered high risk for poor outcomes with COVID-19 disease and therefore have to take aggressive precautions to avoid getting infected. These vulnerable Floridians are unable to see family, unable to enjoy dinner or watch a movie. And many of them have postponed preventative clinical care, testing and surgeries. To be clear, we all want the same thing. We want less people to die. We want more people to be happy and healthy. We want our economy to thrive. The difference is where we place our priorities. And unfortunately, the leaders of the United States and Florida have decided to place economic interests over life and death. Dr. Ashley says the surge of COVID-19 cases was predictable. He says many health experts were concerned with Florida's direction from the very beginning of the crisis. Three state lawmakers who are leaving the legislature this year have decided they'd like to stick around in Tallahassee by serving on the Public Service Commission. Senator and former Senate President Tom Lee of Brandon, Representative Holly Roshine of Key Largo, and Representative Mike LaRosa of St. Cloud are among seven hopefuls who submitted applications for a position on the panel that regulates utilities. That position is available because Commissioner Donald Pullman's four-year term expires in January. He is, however, asking the governor to reappoint him. The job pays $132,000 a year. Florida growers have complained for decades that they face unfair competition from Mexico, where wages are lower and environmental rules are few and far between. The fear now in the agriculture community is that things will get even worse under USMCA, the new trade agreement between the U.S., Mexico, and Canada. Next up on Sunrise In-Depth, you'll hear from the State Agriculture Commissioner, an Orlando congresswoman, and a Tallahassee blueberry farmer about the trouble with USMCA. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. The Florida Hospital Association has released the OPEN plan, designed to allow Florida's safe resumption of elective surgeries and procedures. OPEN stands for O, observe the COVID-19 rate of community occurrence. P, prevent transmission. E, establish the process to restore elective surgeries and procedures. And N, network with all healthcare providers. You can read the OPEN plan today at FHA.org. Welcome back to Sunrise. First came NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement. Now there's USMCA, the trade deal between the U.S., Mexico, and Canada. But those trade agreements did not help Florida growers. It was more like a kick in the teeth. Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed says Mexican produce is taking market share from Florida's seasonal veggie growers with the help of these trade agreements. And she's just issued a new report documenting $3.7 billion in economic losses suffered by Florida's seasonal produce growers as a result of unfair trade practices. Our report has found that Mexico has expanded its share of U.S. domestic market by 217% since 2000, while Florida lost market share by 40%. 
Since we have also seen a 551% increase for seasonal crop imports from Mexico from 2000 to 2019. An $11 billion gap exists between Mexican ag exports and Florida's total ag value. Florida producers lost sales up to 20% due to Mexican ag export expansion since 2000. This accounts for up to $3.7 billion in total economic losses for Florida's economy. 37,180 37, lost jobs in Florida, $205 million in lost indirect tax revenue for Florida's economy, and $2.2 billion in annual losses of Florida cash receipts to multiple agricultural stores. The strawberries market share dropped from 46% to 29%. Bell peppers market share dropped from 45.6% to 15%. Tomato markets dropped 63% to 38%. 20 Florida commodities were examined experienced declines in the market share, while 13 Mexican commodities have increased their share by 100% or more. These aren't just numbers on a chart. They're an attack on the people's livelihoods. Many of our 47,000 farmers and family businesses, and total agriculture produced and supports over 2 million jobs in our state. The clock is ticking for this administration to help us protect Florida's farmers. And as growers continue to suffer losses from COVID-19, we need action now. Orlando Congresswoman Stephanie Murphy says the new trade deal is bad for Florida growers, but she says the U.S. Trade Representative for the Trump administration has assured them he will address the problem. Pro-trade doesn't mean free trade. We need a rules-based system for everyone to compete on a level playing field. Rules have to apply to all partners, even our closest allies and neighbors like Mexico. Unfair trading practices must be addressed, and Florida fruit and vegetable growers deserve to have access to lawful remedies. So fighting for our seasonal growers was and continues to be my main concern with USMCA. While I was disappointed that USMCA didn't include an effective remedy for them, the Florida congressional delegation did secure written commitments from the U.S. Trade Representative for a path towards relief. With the USMCA now in force, we need to hold the USTR accountable for his commitments. Ambassador Lighthizer has repeatedly agreed with our concerns about the impacts from Mexico on our seasonal growers. The USTR needs to follow through on presenting a plan of action this year that can deliver timely and effective relief as pledged to us in January. We need action from this administration to protect Florida's farmers from the major economic impacts they've suffered for years due to illegal dumping. It's easy to dump on Mexico, but that's not really the problem. Bud Childs, son of the late Governor Lawton Childs, says the food supply has been taken over by a handful of huge companies that have outsourced America's food supply because it's cheaper to grow overseas and they make a lot more money. USMCA continues a situation where uh, a vastly unlevel playing field exists between foreign growers and American growers. Uh, whether you're talking about blueberries or whether you're talking about strawberries or tomato, and I'm talking to growers from all over the state and the country now, uh, and, and we all face the same plight, whether we're a cattle, uh, whether, we're, whether we raise cattle or, or beef or, or dairy or fruit or produce, um, we're competing against a system where a small number of corporate entities gain, having gained control of the food supply 
uh, have have outsourced just like many of the things in the in our country are outsourced car parts, uh, cell phones, etc. But it's very different when it's our food supply, and they've outsourced our food supply uh, to countries like Mexico and Colombia and Peru, where they could grow um, and pay laborers, you know, six dollars a day for a twelve-hour day, and we're competing, paying fifteen dollars an hour. Um, and of course, the, the environmental and, and ecological restrictions in those countries are very suspect, uh, very different from the standards that we have to follow here. So who's really benefiting from this system? We've, we've gotten away in this country from having a system for 200 years that really recognized that farming and food supply is a national security issue. We cannot give up our food security to foreign countries. And I think one of the silver linings now in the pandemic uh, is that consumers are, are waking up to this fact. They're paying attention. They're realizing that there's something very wrong with our food system when just a handful of corporations are, are able to, uh, to, to run the rules on, what, on what's going on. And so they're seeing shortages and they're seeing uh, this disaster of uh, Florida farmers dumping milk and plowing under half a billion dollars worth of, of foods. Charles says real family farmers are being driven out of the business by conglomerates that control the food supply. He's encouraging you to buy American-grown produce at the grocery store or from local farmers markets that can be found throughout the state. There are 143 community farmers markets listed on the Department of Agriculture's website. Your calendar of events today, bupkis. Zip, zilch, not a baby. It's a holiday, even for the politicians. So enjoy. Finally today, it's time to check in with Florida Man, who appears to have missed all the recent protests about police brutality. A Florida man working for the Miami-Dade Police Department for more than 30 years has been suspended after hitting a woman in the face at Miami International. 21-year-old Paris Anderson was causing a disturbance at the American Airlines rebooking counter because she was late for her flight and they would not let her board. Officer Anthony Rodriguez escorted her from the area, and the arrest report says he hit the woman because she violated his personal space, bumping him with her body, striking him in the chin with her head. Funny thing, the officer's body cam video does not appear to show Anderson ever intentionally in touching the officer. It does, however, show the officer taunting Anderson, telling her she should go punch the supervisor at the airline's desk. Then Anderson gets close to the officer's face, telling him, you act white, but you're really black. What you gonna do? That's when he punched her square in the face. After viewing the video, the Miami-Dade police director said he does not condone the officer's actions and that Rodriguez has been relieved of duty. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee. We're taking off Monday for the holiday, but you are cordially invited to join us again on Tuesday as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.